staying silent really is no longer an option. Uh, and I think people are realizing that if you are silent, you are just as complicit. You are just as part of the problem as the people who are creating and pushing these guidelines. Um, so I think people are realizing you have to have a voice. Hi again, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Narrative Podcast. Mike Andrews, Aaron Baird, David Mahan with you to kick off a new volume of the program. And before we get too far into this, guys, and and give people a reason not to leave us a five-star review, I just want to <laughs> issue the reminder right up front. Hey, if you've got a moment, leave us a review, uh, leave us a rating on wherever you listen to your podcast. It really helps the show out. want to give you that opportunity to to do that for us. It would, it would be tremendously beneficial. We've got a, an exciting show today, yeah. quite frankly, because we're going to talk about some major news across the, the street at the state house that happened yesterday. We've got Riley Gaines coming up as our special guest interview today. Uh, it's just going to be a great time and uh, marked by celebration, which is, is something that we haven't had a lot of, I think, over our last <laughs> couple episodes. So that's, that's right, a nice yeah. change of pace. And let's just start right there with with yesterday and, and the override of the governor's veto of House Bill 68, which is Save Women's Sports and the SAFE Act. Uh, David, you've been in on this for for a long time. And, and yesterday was a culmination of a lot of your work. So tell us your reaction and, and how you were feeling as the day unfolded we, we, yesterday. We did it, y'all. <laughs> we did it. We did it, man. I'll just, you know, to thank all of you all who sent emails and made phone calls and marched down here to the state house and testified and submitted written and prayed for us and pastors opened your pulpits. We did it with the help of the Lord and, um, and the Holy Spirit leading and guiding the whole way. For me, it's been a three a three year you know journey, but it's been longer than that. Yeah. Uh, you know, vulnerable child protection act. You know, going back to what 2019, something mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. Um, but yesterday was just phenomenal. You know, sitting in that session in the in the Senate, and um, you know, just kind of watching the back and forth with the Democrats versus the Republicans, and you know, the bloviating that was going on. But I, I have to give a shout out to to Rogner, yeah, uh, who Senator just Rogner, kept it yeah. kept it straight, kept it plain, and uh, maybe the best uh, two minute speech on this, just so succinctly. And she did the thing that I mean, we've been talking about so much around here lately, which is, you know, there's there's a lot of issues where you can say where you you almost want to caveat at times to try to show compassion and empathy to the other side um, and, and build a bridge there. But th this is one of those issues yeah. that you just have to say, like she's like, she started off boys are boys girls and girls are girls. are girls and boys can't become girls. And she apologized for saying in the beginning, like, I'm sorry, right. I even have to say this, but right. <laughs> and, but, but the thing about it was, was even that apology was like, was not like apology to the other side, right. but it was like to, to, Common sense people. Right. Right. But that's it's all it's like, tell us. that's the way that we have to approach this because, you know, and, and she talked about how there is no evidence to show that this is good for kids. And it's wrong to let like we we th this issue has able, been able to prosper for so long because, frankly, we have been too afraid to just say uh, what we know is true. And I think as you look at the just the general environment behind yesterday's veto or, or really since the governor vetoed it and then yesterday's override, the the support behind these bills has been pretty strong uh, across the state for yeah. a while. And you just got the sense that this was like, why, why don't we have these laws in place? And I think that certainly helped in to your point, David, about people contacting their lawmakers, yeah. we saw a great response to our advocacy center and things like that of people really wanting to make sure their legislature legislators knew where they stood on this. It, issue. it cannot be overstated. Yeah. I mean, it, the 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 period of time that it took to change the culture of the state house mm -hmm. the way they did, and um, nobody wanted to touch this thing in 2019. Mm -hmm. Nobody. I think when it dropped initially. Um, uh, no, never even got a hearing. Yeah. Not, you know, it was assigned to a committee, never got a hearing, not even sponsored testimony. And so what, what has happened has been a beautiful thing. It would also, it's been a great teaching 
experience for the body of Christ. I mean, if you look at just the civics lesson that was produced, and I guess if there's any blessing to the overturn or the, the veto of the bill, it's that they got to see the whole process playing out yeah. from start to finish. Um, you know, we had a lot of a lot of heroes in in this that uh, that was with us from the beginning. You know, I think of like the Andre Van Moles. Mm-hmm. I think of, um, you know, Chloe Cole. And she was actually she came in town just to uh, sit in that Senate room yeah. uh, with us and rep click. And um, and it was just awesome just watching her face because, you know, if, for those of you who don't know, she um, has been in the process of all this transition and exploitation since 12. Mm-hmm. Right. Double mastectomy at 15. She's only 19 now. We were her first testimony she had ever done. She's all over the world now with this stuff, uh, being a champion for, for young girls. But um, at 17, she came here. And we were her first testimony. So for her to be in that room and, and just take it all in with us. And she did a press conference. But the night before family, she was at a church and um, and gave her testimony and talked about the Christian part of her story. Um, she's a new believer and she she rarely ever shares that. Um, but she's a new believer and the love and honor that people just poured out on her was phenomenal. It was, I mean, it was just a really great end to a long journey and it was uh, just seeing God's hand all over, all over it. And Aaron, I don't know that this is something that we've talked a, a lot about. I know we don't ever take anything for granted here at right, CCB. Yeah. Certainly the groundswell of support was there, but overriding the governor doesn't happen all that often, right? I mean, yeah. we've seen this with the heartbeat bill and oh, Gov- yeah. Governor Kasich that yep. it passed the GA and got to his desk veto and then no override. Right. So so just because- Oh, it came the, up one vote. Like we we passed it. I mean, that was a situation where we passed it with veto-proof majorities. And then in, you know, I'll never forget that day and that feeling in my stomach. Uh, we passed it out of the House with, we, we override the governor in the House. Same day we go over to the Senate to override uh, and we have all the same votes there to vote. And one of the original 20 votes flips on us and votes no, and, and the override's dead. Right. So this is legal. <laughs> Never forget. This isn't just something that that happens all the time. Maybe you could understand a little bit more if the, the governor was from a different party than the, than the majorities in the House and Senate. So yeah. it just seems like there's a lot of unique circumstances around here that, that we don't want to overlook or take for granted in, in having gotten this done. Yeah. And, and, and you know, David used the, the phrase culture change. It's one we've been, been talking a lot about on this one. Um, you know, I, I, honestly, I, I've never experienced an override push like this before. Um, and it, it shows how much, you know, the, the, the folks are, that are willing to speak out on it, how they've changed culture, uh, nationally and uh, in Ohio on this. Right. Um, and this, this is one of these things I think is so important, Mike, that, you know, you mentioned folks contacting their lawmakers. Uh, yeah, I was, I was speaking at a group last night up in Toledo and somebody asked, you know, you know, I get these emails from, uh, from Ed Sitter at, at uh, foundation for life, Toledo rights life. And telling me to contact my lawmaker, and you know, do I do I really need to do that? Is that is that impactful? Should I be doing that? Um, and m- my answer is absolutely yes, because every time you do that, and, and the reality is, we've made it so simple now to do right, like our action center or, or ads or anybody's. You know, it's, it it takes less than sixty seconds to put together an email and send it off. But when these folks don't hear from you, what what what, what we f- tend to forget, right, is that. Um, th- when they don't hear from you, they are definitely hearing from the other side, mm-hmm. right? Um, and we hear this all the time. I, I mean, I've heard, heard this throughout my career of like, well, I'm not hearing from your people, Aaron. Right. Where are they at? Where, like if, if you're saying people want this, where? And, and so every time their inbox fills up with more emails or every, and, and again, that's, that's the baseline. This is why we want to do prayer at the state house and want you coming down and want you getting to know your lawmaker. Um, and all those types of things. If you're able to text your state rep or text your state senator, uh, and I will tell you when they are on the campaign trail and you say, can I have your cell? They're going to give you their cell because they want your vote, <laughs> right? Um, and they might not text you back once they get into office, but they're going to see it, right? Um, and, and this is this is where, uh, you know, that that level, I, and I'll even tell you too, I said this last night to the group, and again, we're not, at, I'm not talking about any specific candidates, Right. Um, Except for Beagle, right? Well, exactly. But <laughs> say he's his out. Name. He, he's he's out. <laughs> say, say his name. Uh, but you know, th- this is where even your political giving, right? And and, and I'll tell you, a hundred bucks, two hundred bucks, you know, five hundred, a thousand bucks, 
to a state rep or to a state senator. And when they know, and again, this is, don't, don't just go online and make the donation. When you get to know them and say, hey, I'm your constituent and I care about the direction of our state and I'm going to support you because I believe you're going to stand up for conservative principles. And then when you call them and say, hey, this is the, they know you are now invested in this state. They know you care enough, right? And and that's one of those things that I, I just, I think a lot of times, you know, folks, uh, you know, we get wrapped up in the the big, you know, Washington, D.C. discussion. And I'm not saying, you know, it's bad to give to, to candidates running for federal office. But when you give to your state rep or your state senator, you get their ear and it makes a difference. And, um, and, and it's one of those things that it really does. Your voice is so much more impactful at the state level. And for people who want more of the history lesson behind Safe Act, we certainly covered some of that in our veto episode yeah. um, that we did earlier this month. But it's, I just keep coming back to that phrase, probably because I've been hearing you say it for like three <laughs> weeks now, <laughs> about changing the culture in Ohio. Yeah. Like, it's not easy to do. And, yeah. and you can't, it's not only CCV doing that. That yeah. That is all the friends that came alongside us in this effort, to, to your point, David. Every, everyone you mentioned, the the people who gave testimony, the pastors, like this, this truly is the definition of a grassroots movement the to enact this of kind of courage, change. man, yeah. that has been uh, generated from, from what I believe is the public. I mean, we literally, I know you remember this, Aaron, I was going to different members and um, friends of ours who we know we would get their vote. If it ever gets to the floor, we've got their vote. Um, but will they ever open their mouth to get it to the floor, right? And the answer was no. They literally, I had a member say, "Do you? we love CCV. Do you have anything less controversial? <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I just can't, I can't go there. There was so much of that, right? Yeah. Not just finding somebody to sponsor these things, like this this bill and Safe Act, Safe Women Sports, but to find somebody to co-sponsor, yeah. to find folks on the committee that will push back and ask the right questions that, that we all know we need to ask, but they just are afraid to ask. Um, just from start to finish, but now the courage. To, to, I, I had an opportunity to speak at the press conference when it um, when it passed out of the house was overridden, and um, to see some of the folks that were standing behind me. And I think I may even it, it, I may even blurt it out that wow, man, it, to see this kind of support, I wish it was there the whole time. But uh, <laughs> probably should have said that. But I didn't even know I had to speak. You just anyway. Um, don't send me next time. <laughs> I'm going to tell the truth, right? Shame the devil. But um, yeah, it, it, to see some of these folks and then they stood up on the floor, some of them like, you know, they just championed this thing for three years. It yeah. it was pathetic, but I'll take the win. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I, you know, when uh, we were watching the vote yesterday, actually, uh, Maria came uh, for the vote and we were walking back to to her car afterwards and, um you know, I, we were we were kind of reminiscent, and and I I even went back and I pulled photos from. Uh, it'll be six years next month that this issue really first came up on our radar, um, and that was the story. A lot of folks will remember the story out of Cincinnati, where um, a kid in Cincinnati Children's Hospital um, they wanted to put this girl on high dose testosterone. The parents said no, and Hamilton County filed neglect and abuse charges against her. And I remember when I first was contacted on that story. I mean, this was again. <laughs> Uh, we were just laughing. This was before Claire was even here. Uh, this It was in the BC days uh, before Claire. Um, uh, and so this was, I mean, we had three people on the team, uh, two and a half, me, Robin, and, and a, a part-time. Uh, Claire's uh, turning red, by the way. Right? Um, <laughs> BC. Right? And, uh, and, and, you know, the, uh, I remember when I got the call, I didn't, I didn't really believe what was happening at first. Right? I, I mean, we, we get calls all the time with just, really over the top stuff happening. Right. And, and our, our first, we always want to try to be as level headed as possible. when we, we hear, uh, because we, we don't want to run out and, and, and cry wolf when, when there's not a problem. Right. So that we, we heard about this and we started digging in and it was, I, I know for me, it was especially jarring because it was happening at children's hospitals in, in Cincinnati. And, you know, I, I had had such a positive experience with our kids at Nationwide Children's Hospital here. And we had a lot of friends down in Cincinnati that had had phenomenal experiences at, at Cincinnati uh, Children's Hospital. And so, it, you know, the the reality of like what this was, and then it starts setting in on you of we've got to take on this giant, right? Like these guys are, I mean, we're, we're, we're taking on a, a multi-billion dollar medical industry, multi-billion dollar pharmaceutical industry. 
uh, on top of the media and everything else we always got to deal with. The governor. The governor, <laughs> well, yeah, right? Um, and uh, and so we we held that press conference down in, in Cincinnati on in, in Hamilton County. Um, and that would, that began this long road. And, and again, we really didn't even know at the time, the idea of banning this didn't seem possible. Right. So we were the VCPA, you mentioned the vulnerable child protection act, that bill was admittedly a bit of a mess. Um, and it was, uh, you know, it was more of a parental rights bill saying you can't take kids out of, uh, from parents custody because they declined to do these procedures, but it was such a mess to write. And it, it, it left all of us saying this. This doesn't feel like we're actually accomplishing it. Um, and and I remember even too at that time I, I was being asked to fly to Washington a bunch to to explain to people what was happening because people didn't didn't believe it. But there were all these parents, and this was the beginning. And I called one of the parents uh, that we worked with uh, through this yesterday, and just were you know telling stories. She was crying. I mean, it was just sweet time of. Uh, how we got here and, and how it, it seems so impossible at the time, you know. And, and because of the the whole journey from from yeah. Hamilton County to yesterday, Governor Vito override all those things. It seems like there was a lot of investment mm-hmm. in in this process. So I'm just curious. You mentioned the conversation you had, David. Any reactions that you got that were especially meaningful for you from people that you've worked with along the way? <clears throat> like Aaron just kind of ended there. Just the the parents that I've talked to and that have been with us, um, and many of them use different names, so it wouldn't make any sense to me to drop names here. But just several of them: Cincinnati, Columbus area uh, doctors, physicians. I had a couple uh, calls with physicians over the last twenty four hours or so that. Um, some were more helpful in the background and some were more like like Van Mole. He was he was more here and present, Dr. Weiss. Um, but it was so sad that they had to be so quiet about these things. Um, but these are folks who and we were talking about this this morning, who this has impacted their families. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like holidays where if it even comes up or or even like family members that won't come to family dinners because you know, they're active in, in this area trying to protect kids. Um, and so to be able to call them, send them texts and say, you know, hey, it's it's been a long time coming. Right. Yep. But our changes come and um, man, it's just been a beautiful thing. And uh, But the parents probably touched me the most. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I got to say, I even David, as you were talking earlier, um, I remembered, uh, you know, when you started and we got, you know, the, the way last GA ended. Right. And you know, Safe Act got basically no traction last year, oh right? And and you being like, man, like, and you were taking it hard of like, okay, what did I do wrong and all that? Right. And we were sitting on the stoop in the alley, yeah. And I, I put that picture on Facebook, and I said, man, I just I, I can't take this L, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it was burning up, yeah, and and because because it, it just it, you know, and I I mentioned this in our statement yesterday. But, you know, when you've sat, David and I and, and many on the team have had so many coffees with parents. And when you see, you know, 60-something-year-old men, successful men in tears about what's happened to their kids and feeling, again, successful men that have done a lot with their life and feeling powerless and not knowing what to do and looking at you saying, can you help us? And what are we going to do? Um, like that just, and then, and you know, then you have things where the bill does, it just doesn't get traction. It just doesn't go. Um, that's what makes days like today so sweet. Um, and, and the reason why, you know, we persevere, right. The reason why, you know, th- there's no loss is final for us, right. It, 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 it's, we, we keep pressing on because, um, there's real kids suffering, right. And, and I, I said this last night at the, the group I was with, like, Christian, if you don't speak up, nobody else will, because nobody else has the Holy Spirit in them uh, that's telling them that there's that you've got nothing to lose because you've already gained everything, right? And it can't be taken away from you. So, like, that that's the uh, – th- that is our unique role yeah. in society today. And it wasn't just that, you know, when we were on the, on the stoop back there, man, and, and it's probably a couple years back, but – it wasn't it that I couldn't take the L. It was that feeling like the body needs a win. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm you'll never hear about it on TV that they'll never come into witness. But I had three parents in one year, two of them in Pickerington, say that I had law enforcement and a, and a uh, social worker show up to my door 
with my child saying that if I don't affirm um, this, this, this child's uh, gender, what they see it as, that they may take my child from me because she's suicidal and, so, and I'm being a bad parent. What can I do? And I, the first thing that comes out of my mouth, right, because I know some of them personally, I'm like, okay, we got to pray. My wife and I, we're going to be standing with you in prayer. David, I'm doing that. Like, what, what can, who can I talk to at the state house? And, and, and I can't testify because I'm a, I'm a physician. One of them was a nurse. I mean, she was in the medical field. And, and she was like, you know, I'm doing the prayer thing, but what else can we do? And all I can say is like, okay, I'm going to tell your story. I'm, I'm going to record your message. I'm going to take it to the state house. So we try to amplify their voice. We try to open doors where we get open doors. But then it was like, you know, let's just send mails. Let's make emails. Let's send, make phone calls. And for them to see, it just didn't feel, to them, it didn't feel like they were doing enough. Nothing right. was being done. And in yesterday, so many of them on Facebook, text, you know, like, thank you. Like, you were right. It, it, it would work. We just had to be consistent in it. And so for the body of Christ, I feel like the lesson is, because it wasn't just the culture at the state house that changed, right? It was the culture in our churches changed. Mm-hmm. Right, that, that they were talking and said, "Hey, can you come with me to the state house? Can you come to prayer at the state house?" Right, and and that's huge because when members go into that uh, the, the atrium and they see a room full of believers, different colors, different backgrounds and ages and race, and, and everybody's just worshiping, raising up their voices to the Lord in worship, praying for their members. Um, when we now go to the state house and say, "Hey, here's our constituents, and this is what they're saying." Now our voice matters. Our influence goes up, right? Because the people have got engaged in in uh, in, in the civil arena. Yeah, it was it was a good day to say the least, and and it's going to be a great opportunity here in just a minute to continue the conversation on the Save Women Sports side uh, with Riley Gaines because that's an important piece of this bill too, and we don't want to over overlook that because. That was one thing that was a little frustrating for me, and, and this, uh, it, I'm sure we all share this, just the way that the governor kind of hand-waved that away yeah. of, yeah, well, didn't I, didn't, I didn't even get to it. Nah. It's like six six people at this effect. Which, again, so. I, I'm, I've not said this publicly, but I'm just done. Um, like, <laughs> I don't believe, like, he had made negative comments about the bill in the press yeah. before. Yeah. He, 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 so, you know, that's not how this works, right? Um, and we all know that. And everybody involved in this process knows that. So whatever. Well, we've got one of the leading advocates for for protecting women's sports and women's spaces and Riley Gaines coming up to chat with us here after the break. And it's going to be a a really fantastic conversation. I hope you stick around for that coming up on The Narrative. Hey, Narrative listeners. You know, Christians in the marketplace today face more unique and challenging threats than ever before. Businesses are following woke capitalism. Chambers of commerce are beholden to social justice and secular activists are chipping away Christians' First Amendment rights. As Ohio's only Christian Chamber of Commerce, the Christian Business Partnership stands in the gap to advocate for, to educate, and to celebrate Christian business owners. Joining the partnership also allows businesses to provide their employees with health care insurance, workers' compensation, and exclusive banking and educational discounts. To find out more and to join, go to cbpohio.org. That's cbpohio.org. Pleased to welcome in our special guest today, Riley Gaines, who is a leader defending women's single-sex spaces, advocating for equality and fairness, and standing up for women's safety, privacy, and equal opportunities. Uh, Riley graduated from the University of Kentucky. She was a 12-time All-American swimmer, and now she's one of the most powerful voices to speak out against the injustice of men competing in women's sports. Uh, She has spoken before U.S. Senate, the U.S. House, and countless state legislatures. And Riley, we're so grateful to have you here today. Thanks so much for the time and joining the narrative. Well, thank you guys uh, for having me on and for all the work that you do. And we wanted to have you on today specifically because yesterday was a big day here in Ohio and that uh, the veto override of House Bill 68, which was the Safe Act and Save Women's Sports, uh, finished off. We got the the veto overridden and now Save Women's Sports is going to be the law of the land in Ohio. And and one of the state legislatures you spoke at was ours. And so we're so thankful for for your testimony and, and to be able to celebrate that victory with you today. Well, it certainly is that. Uh, It's a victory, and we will take our victories how and when we can get them. Uh, Certainly, this, I don't think, was the path that maybe anyone had anticipated or necessarily wanted, 
Um, but overall, it's a win. And so in 90 days, the bill will become a law in Ohio, which is which is really great news. Um, it's incredibly hard to overturn a veto. Uh, and this veto in particular was especially surprising for me um, to see a Republican governor veto this, um, veto basically the safeguarding of children and protecting women in sports. Um, governor DeWine, I mean, he joined a long list of governors that have done such, but most of these are Democrat governors. Uh, you have Andy Bashir of Kentucky. Uh, you had um, Robinson of North Carolina. There are several governors who have done this, but uh, Ohio was ultimately successful in the long run. So, and, and Riley, we just sort of told the the in the segment before we kind of told the story of uh, how CCV got here and the really six year road we've been on. Um, but now you've been really leading the charge, especially on women's sports, but but on, on a lot of issues uh, generally. Uh, where did you see, you know, I think what was most encouraging for us in this was that when the veto was over, when the, when the veto came down, uh, the backlash was was swift and furious, right? Um, I mean, re really, this was, we were surprised and encouraged by how much, you know, so many times when you're working in state politics, big things happen and a lot of folks don't realize what's actually happening in the state. Uh, but this was one where where really the wind was to our back for the override the entire time. That's such a culture change uh, in America that on th on these issues, you know, it is, you know, a, 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 a just a really bad idea to, to stand against these issues. You know, your yeah. story has obviously been a big part about that, but how have you feel, felt that momentum change in America overall on these issues? Gosh, I think too, I mean, even a year ago, uh, the media, even right-leaning media, conservative outlets, they would not be responding the same way they did now, um, as we saw with, with how they responded to what's going on in Ohio. Uh, that would not have happened a year ago. Um, over the past 18 months, really, uh, people have found their voice um, because, unfortunately, more and more people continue to be impacted. And so if if you yourself haven't been impacted by this gender ideology movement yet, you know someone who has. It, so it's not really a matter of if anymore. It's a matter of when. And so people are realizing that. Uh, parents are realizing that. Of course, female athletes are realizing that. Coaches, uh, medical professionals are realizing that. Pastors are even realizing that. And so it's it's this movement a lot of these cultural issues, I mean, they're plaguing America in every realm possible. So again, corporate America, um, we've seen what's happening in, in our education systems within academia, which I'll say it's been kind of fun to watch the dismantling of a lot of these higher ed institutions that would call themselves or would previously call themselves prestigious um, to be totally just kind of shut down. There's a lot more exposing to do there um, uh, in regards to academia. And so the list goes on our media, our government, it's all infiltrated. Um, and people are seeing that now more than ever. Um, people are finding their voices. You know, I think certainly that the tide is turning uh, while we, you know, we watch the news. It seems like this issue is a very partisan issue that falls on party lines entirely. Uh, and we watch how politicians vote in the case of Ohio. Uh, we watch how this happens. And you would think it's very political and a dividing issue, but it's not. Uh, this is very much a unifying issue. Yeah. Uh, no, it, regardless it, of we, your political affiliation, parent yeah. care and athletes, females, they don't want to be stripped of their opportunities. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We, we saw that here. You know, Riley, I want to just say thank you um, just for helping us with our, uh, our uh, agenda here, but you have been leaning in on this, not just here with the override, but you were active in this. You sent your testimony in when it was in the committee in the House and uh, really had been in pretty regular communication with me and how can I help and things. And But I do remember um, when the governor overrode or when the governor vetoed House Bill 68. Um, and he said when, when he was asked by the, the press why didn't we deal with save women's sports? I didn't hear you address save women's sports. And he said, well, I never got to that. Um, there's not that many people affected by that. I know you had some choice words. Like, how, how did that make you feel when you heard the, the Republican governor of Ohio say that he just never got to it? <laughs> it's like, it's almost subjectively like comical. One, that he would even admit that. Like, why? If that's right. the case, why would you say 
say that out loud. Oh my gosh, what a terrible thing. Um, but secondly, to say it's not happening or, or it's only affecting such a small minority, that could not be further from the truth. Um, I have several friends in Ohio, um, several swimmers who swim, you know, my friends who swim in Ohio State who lost out on opportunities because of Leah Thomas, formerly Will Thomas, who swam three years on the men's team at UPenn, um, who had their their opportunities taken from them. Um, and they might think, you know, this is only happening, you know, we only have, I think the number they said was seven trans athletes in the state of Ohio. Okay. But each of those athletes displaces the rest of the athletes. So it doesn't just affect a small percentage. It affects every single person, every single girl. Um, so that's that's such a silly, it's really a disingenuous thing to say. Right. And, and um, the privacy so rights of, of everybody in that locker room, yeah. right? Like I know that was part of your testimony that that really they never really wanted to bring up here in the state of Ohio. I know, absolutely. And and that's pretty appalling. You know, these these Democrat senators and representatives who have daughters, you know, they're mothers and fathers of their own young daughters. And you really mean to tell me that you would be totally fine with your daughter undressing and simultaneously being exposed to a fully grown, fully intact male. I, I hold this hope in my heart that they don't actually think that. Um, because if they do, I think there's a separate conversation that needs to be had involving CPS because that's disgusting. It's perverse. And you're a sellout to your own child. Wow. Yeah. And well, and that's one of these things about this issue that, um, you know, the implications of it are so much bigger than just sports. But even in the, the number side of this, I was talking with one uh, lobbyist yesterday and he was pointing out, listen, even just just one male playing in girls sports. Right. The, the numbers of of girls affected by that are massive, right? Because yeah, right. you have all the, you know, the, the, depending on the sport, you have all the other athletes they're going against. You have all the other athletes that are in, that they might not be competing against, but they're at the same meet. So they're in the same locker room, right? Um, you, yeah. you have the other kids in their schools that might not even try out now uh, because of, uh, because the the, the right. boy is, is in that situation. Um, Riley, I, I did want to ask you, I, I've noticed, um, one thing on, on Twitter, uh, you've been saying lately, uh, that I thought was really interesting is, uh, you're now calling for whenever a male shows up at a girl's competition for the girls not to compete for, for them to, to say, I'm not going to do this. Um, tell me why, tell us why you're doing that. Well, first, I know that's easier said than done. Um, I myself, you know, when I had the opportunity to not compete, I I didn't take it. I wanted to compete. I didn't want to have to make those sacrifices. But having my eyes really been opened to what's going on around the country, really around the world, um, I realized we have to fight back. We have to push back. I And I didn't always think this. I didn't think women should have to boycott. And I'll tell you exactly when I changed my mind was when the Protection of Women and Girls in Sports Act was introduced in the U.S. House. And as said, it fell entirely on party lines, meaning 219 Republicans voted in favor of protecting women and girls in sports. And all 203, every single last one of them, all 203 Democrats voted in opposition. And that's when it hit me. Oh, my gosh. If we just wait for people to do the right thing. I mean, what a what a naive thought. We'll be waiting forever. Um, and so that's when I realized, yes, we do need legislative change uh, and, and policy changes, but we have the power to make a change. Um, and the most effective, quickest way to do that is by boycotting. And so I pledge, you know, these girls in any sport, uh, what's been in the news, national news recently is the LPGA and golfing. Uh, there's a male, Haley Davidson, who is very much male <laughs> competing with the women. Um, any of these girls who drop out, if they get up and they don't tee off, uh, I'll happily pay any sort of prize money they lose out on because that that's the thing is these girls, I've had so many messages from athletes, um, a lot of these golfers who say, you know, this is my livelihood. I would love to not compete, but I have a family to support. This is my income. You know, I, I don't know what else to do. I have to rely on this. Um, but that shouldn't be a worry. I think we have to incentivize doing the right thing. Riley, I'm I'm curious, you know, we we've heard about your your story and your experience with Leah Thomas and and I think in some ways that kind of set you on your path to to advocacy and maybe not in some ways, maybe in all the ways. But just leading up to that moment, 
where did you see that this was a, a possibility of, of, you know, something that's just kind of out there, men competing in sports, becoming something that was going to directly impact you? I mean, I never, I never would have imagined, especially competing at the level. I mean, the, the highest, most elite level, I never would have imagined. I never would have thought it would have gotten to, to where I was impacted by this. And so I kind of kept my head down. You know, I, I have always been, I guess, politically in tune and I, and I've always been, um, I'll, I'll say before being a conservative, I was, I've always been Christian. And so my values, you know, they align more so conservatively. So I've, I've always had, had my faith. Um, but truthfully, I, I didn't understand to the extent of where we would be. Um, and I certainly never thought I would be impacted. And so leading up until now, look, I was set to be a dentist. <laughs> That's what I was going to do after college. I'd already put my deposit down. I accepted my seat. I scored, you know, in the top percentile of the dental admissions test to get into dental school. That's what I had planned for me. Uh, but I realized that the quickest way to make God laugh in your face is to make plans for yourself because he very clearly <laughs> had different plans for me. Um, and, and kind of ashamedly, like, I didn't understand anything about our government. Uh, I knew we had three branches, but that's about all I knew. Um, and I certainly was no public speaker or anything like that. And so I've just had to really adapt and and lean on the Lord. And, and you know, every day I pray for, uh, I pray that he instills me with wisdom and I pray for strength and I pray for direction and protection. And it's crazy because you feel him providing those things. I, I feel his hand on me, truly. I really do. So, Riley, I think, you know, one, you mentioned something there with with the Dems that I, I think is really interesting. It's it, it just such a, a new day where there's not um, sort of a, a, an ability to reach across the aisle uh, on this one in, in many ways, which seems shocking because this is a women's issue, right? What's What's been your experience with the left? Uh, I, I know there's been some pretty awful things that have been done. Uh, to you, but what, you know, in this journey of going from just sort of, you know, for lack of a better phrase, innocent bystander to now one of the most recognizable faces on this issue, what, what's what been that experience like? The left, um, and I'll say the extreme left here, because I, I really feel like there are still some moderate Democrats out there who agree that this is crazy. Every poll shows it, actually. Um, the, the most recent Gallup poll shows 70% of Americans agreed that allowing men into women's sports and women's locker rooms and women's prisons and, and all, all that, they, they agree that that's wrong. But the extreme left, which is a very, very loud, fringe, vengeful minority. <laughs> um, I mean, gosh, I've been met with some of, some of the, the craziest things you can imagine. In Ohio, I was met with the rooster. Is that his name? Oh my gosh, that guy's awful. Uh, uh, <laughs> he's just mixing his name on our podcast. <laughs> That's hilarious. The rooster ambushed yeah. me, but honestly, like, bring it on, right? He's yeah. so oh, yeah. Um, But that's the thing is they're all, I realize this, they all just resort to name calling and they resort to kind of these petty personal attacks, which isn't rooted in science. It's not rooted in common sense or logic or reasoning or fact or lived experience. Um, I've been, I mean, I've been spit on, I've been, I've had drinks poured on me, glass bottles thrown at me, people showing up at my house, drones flying above my house, people staking outside my hotel rooms. They'll find out where I'm staying. I've had, I mean, I've been punched, physically assaulted. I've been held for ransom. Uh, for four hours where these protesters demanded in San Francisco that if I wanted to make it home to see my family safely again, I had to pay them money. All the while, again, keep in mind, San Francisco, the police are being held for ransom with me. <laughs> I'm like, what are you doing? Isn't it your job to like, I mean, I'm pretty sure we're being held against our will. And I'm pretty sure we call that kidnapping. You know, can't you do something? And these police are like, uh, no. Uh, we'll lose our job if we act as anything other than an ally for that community is what they said. Well, yeah. And, and when you consider that all of this is based on you saying something that's true, that men and women are different and that women should have a level playing field, like this shouldn't be that con controversial to make somebody like, oh, I don't know, Keith Olbermann go on unhinged Twitter rants <laughs> against you, which are just some epic <laughs> entertainment, by the way. But it, it just like the response to what's being said even that doesn't match. It's totally overblown. 
Absolutely. But, but that truthfully, I think that's what's waking people up. So if I have to be the recipient um, of kind of these, these negative personal attacks, uh, bring it on because I'm secure enough with myself. I'm secure enough in my faith. that keeps me grounded. I'm fine. I can handle the name calling. I can handle people with no profile photos on social media coming after me. It doesn't bother me. Uh, it just, it just doesn't. We call each other names in like second grade. <laughs> so like being called transphobic or homophobic or racist or white supremacist or domestic terrorist or fascist or whatever else they want to say. Truthfully, I think it speaks to their own insecurities more than, than it speaks about me. Um, but sometimes that's what it, that's what it has to take is, is they will ultimately end up shooting themselves in the foot, which is what we're seeing play out in real time. You know, Riley, I, I wish, and I, and I used to say, like you, I, I used to say it's only the extreme left. But when you see over and over again, 100% of one particular party, like 100% right. of the Ohio State House Democrats voting for this or, or against this again and again, or voting for ideology over and over again, um, that that's not just a fringe. You know, I mean, these are these are no, people I, I like. Right. Many of them I like. I have conversations with on a regular basis sometime over at the State House. And uh, we can agree on so many things. And and Representative uh, Click said at one point that there were a couple that actually told him, I'm really not about this. Um, Nalani had a conversation with one. I don't really believe this. Uh, right. You actually had a, a confrontation with, with one of them, Rhett Miller. Uh, he doesn't really believe that stuff. But, no. but at the same time, there's this cultural phenomenon. I, I like to call it a tipping point, like of this phenomenon where where 70%, you know, and, and when you look at Save Women's Sports, 70% of Ohioans feel like, you know, hey, this is this is not a good thing to, uh, you know, to 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 allow men to infringe on, on girls' sports and in their private spaces, 60%, 65% on the Save Act piece. And so there's this tipping point that's happening, but in the polling, it, it says it's not really about just one party. But no. at the state house, it is. It's it's are you saying right. across the country? Every state, every, I mean, every local level, state level, the federal level, um, they are missing the mark entirely and they are not accurately representing even their own party. So you're exactly right in saying that um, the views that they have, they are the extreme left now. Um, they have turned into the most radical on this issue, on the issue of abortion. I mean, they have turned into the most radical party. Um, but yes, that is something I'm seeing across the nation. But that's, that's again, that's what it takes. The pendulum, it has swung too far. Uh, and, and we all know, you know, all of us know, that it will naturally restore. And I think that's the part of the process we're in now. Um, <laughs> truth will always eventually prevail. Sanity will always prevail. And I think it's due time that we see that. And so, I mean, you look at things too, outside of even, you know, our elected officials, you look at something like what Bud Light did, right? Where they they totally missed the mark, uh, which I didn't take marketing in college, but oh my gosh, I think I couldn't have even advised their marketing person to not do what they did. Because in if all if my the majority of your years, users are NASCAR fans, maybe don't go down that. Just, you no. know, I don't know. Yeah. In my 23 so years, I've never problem. seen someone dress as Audrey Hepburn and drink a beer. <laughs> like, it just doesn't happen, especially not yeah. Bud Light. So, um, but then they lost $27 billion. Um, and then, of course, their next commercial was a big burly man on a motorcycle with a camo can, uh, which is comical. And it shows you that this whole thing is driven by money. Uh, yeah. And I think that's what our politicians, that's what that's what we're seeing uh, really play out there as well as they're not even following red or blue anymore or listening to their constituents. They're following green. So, so Riley, I feel like I've been seeing a really interesting thing happening in sports and we've had, you know, Michelle Tafoya on the pod before, you know, I've been super excited about seeing what Sage Steele is doing. Um, but then even like, you know, John Harbaugh getting out there and and reading Amazing. scripture and Jim Harbaugh showing up the March for Life, which I, I know we need to be careful talking about. Oh, he's Ohio. not a Michigan man anymore. Exactly. He's, 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 he's in Michigan. L.A. That's much better. Right. Uh, but uh, but, you know, I, I feel like there's something happening in sports right now that that is different. Um, what, what's been your perception and, and 
you know, we, there's always been the Tony Dungies, but it, it feels like there's a lot more happening now. Yeah, because we're at this point where staying silent really is no longer an option. Uh, and I think people are realizing that if you are silent, you are just as complicit. You are just as part of the problem as the people who are creating and pushing these guidelines. Um, so I think people are realizing you have to have a voice, uh, which look, sports is the one place I feel like you should go, or you at least used to be able to go to and not, I mean, not be political. Right. Um, but unfortunately it's turned that way uh, on the race issue. We we've seen pressers recently, uh, and the NFL and college football games where, you know, we're talking about the color of our skin. Look, this is, it's where you go to not look at identities. You just look at your physical abilities. Um, so, but, but we've reached a point where that's almost impossible in today's climate. And so people, athletes, both male and female, they're finding their voices. This is kind of a a tabloid ish question. Um, but did I hear that William Thomas has a girlfriend now? (laughs) Well, (laughs) it's so, if you, if, if you can keep up. Okay. So Will Thomas, man who identifies as a woman, right? Right. Um, the whole time that that we were competing against each other, he was dating a woman, a, a real woman, uh, would call himself a lesbian, was active with said women, uh, while all the while undressing in our locker rooms, okay? But now he is dating another man who happens to be, to identify as trans. So a man who identifies as a woman. So these are two men. Who call okay. themselves lesbians. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Go on, <laughs> who go call on. themselves lesbians. Um, and now they're recently engaged, which I think is well, openly a Satanist as well, openly communist, openly oh, part yeah. of Antifa. And so to openly be a Satanist, but still want to get married. I mean, marriage is a matrimony um in God's eyes. And so I think it's kind of ironic and comical. But yes. Uh, they are are two men dating now. Uh, he is in law school to be a civil rights lawyer, which, like, of course he is, right? <laughs> so, yeah. Hmm. Oh, golly. I'm going to play yeah. that back. I'm going right? to have to listen to that a few times so, just to unpack, untie all the knots. and So, so Riley, you know, with the... Um, you know, we're, we're now at, I think, 24 states that have saved women's sports. Right, yes. David? Yeah, 24 states. Um, and we're, we're starting to get to the the limits of how many states we're going to be able to do this. And what's you know, I know you're with with uh, International Women's Forum now. And and what what's next in this movement? Right. I know obviously we have to continue to drive the conversation, continue to stand up, you know, because, again, this is this is one of those hard issues where. You know, there's the the Twitter political conversation and the fights at the state house, but then there's just girls in you know we have 600 school districts in Ohio, right? Uh, and and hundreds of thousands of girls in in athletics that are having to deal with this. Um, but but what where's your eyes? Where, where's IWF's eyes on on what's coming? Well, what's next? A big push of of what I've been doing recently um, is working on a new piece of legislation called the Women's Bill of Rights. Um, which it's crazy to me that in 2024, nearly 250 years since we've been established as a country, and of course, much longer uh, than that, we have never struggled to define the word woman. Yet, here we are, we have a sitting Supreme Court justice who can't even do it because she claims she's not a biologist. Well, guess what? I'm not a veterinarian, but I know what a dog is. That's the silliest thing I've ever heard in my life. Um, we've reached this point where we we can't agree on a definition of woman. Uh, so a big legislative push of mine is going into these states and, of course, working at the federal level to introduce the Women's Bill of Rights, which does just that. It defines and codifies these sex-based terms like male and female and man and woman and boy and girl. And so, so far, that has been passed in four states, um, Kansas, Tennessee, my home state, uh, Oklahoma and Nebraska. Uh, I'm going to West Virginia next week to meet with the governor uh, and and um, really get him on board. Uh, I think this is something that could and should be done in Ohio as well. Uh, governor DeWine could have a chance here to 
to <laughs> do the right thing if it were to get on his desk. Um, at the federal level, it's been undertaken by Representative Debbie Lesko and Diana Harshbarger. So, so lots of pushes there to define the word woman. Uh, Riley, I, I saw too that, uh, and we were talking about this before before we got on the call here. Uh, you've got a new kids book out as well, so I want to give you an opportunity to to talk about that. I do, uh, I do. Today, I actually launched. It's launching day of my kids book. It is called Happy No Snakes Day. Um, I partnered with Brave Books, who is just a really phenomenal um, alternative to something like that of Scholastic. You know, where we're seeing um, Scholastic push these confusing and, and really crazy uh, ideas onto kids. Uh, so Brave Books is pro-God, it's pro-America, it's pro-family. Uh, each month they have a different author write and release a book. It's a subscription service. And so my book, Happy No Snakes Day, um, it's about standing up for the truth despite being afraid. Uh, you know, uh, there are real risks, there are real threats to standing up for the truth, but despite that, doing what is right and what is fair and what is moral and just. Um, and so it was really fun to write, uh, to be involved in this process. Gosh, I, um, again, just never would have imagined, um, but super exciting stuff. Well, and for our listeners out there, Riley, if they want to keep tabs on what you're doing, what's the best way to, to follow you where you're advocating or just whatever you've got coming up next, where can they keep tabs on you? Well, you can find the book at www.bravebooks.com. Uh, you can follow along with what I'm doing on Twitter or X, uh, that is Riley underscore Gaines underscore. Um, I, I think those are probably, I, I post to Twitter mostly. Um, I found that to be the most effective place uh, to really garner the awareness and get the public mobilized. Uh, we saw some pretty, a pretty big win in South Carolina um, a couple, maybe last week where uh, and everyone's distracted. It's a big, you know, the, the presidential election going on, the caucuses, what New Hampshire and now South Carolina, people are distracted. Um, so it's important our eyes stay on our legislators. And so in South Carolina, they had a bill, an amendment, actually, uh, that would criminalize doctors who perform these um, surgeries or administer hormones to minors. 63 Republicans 63. No, this isn't California. It is South Carolina with the Republican supermajority. 63 Republicans voted to kill the amendment, uh, but with some pressure put on them uh, because of social media and a post that I had made and other people jumping on. Uh, within two hours, they reconvened and 63 Republicans changed their vote. So it's our job to hold their feet to the fire, uh, to let them know that we are in fact watching and we won't we won't let this stuff slide anymore. Riley, thank you so much for the time today. Thank you for all that you're doing. We appreciate your voice. We we appreciate your partnership with us on, on Save Women's Sports here in Ohio. Uh, we certainly wish you all the best going forward. And thanks for being a guest today on The Narrative. You guys rock. And I'm so grateful for the work you do. So thank you. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of The Narrative, presented by CCV and produced by Wessler Media. If you found today's episode insightful, leave us a review or rating and subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts. We're your hosts, Mike Andrews, Aaron Bear, and David Mahan, and we'll see you next time on The Narrative.